KMTT, today is Tuesday, the Shur in Parshat HaShavua, will be given by Harav David Silverberg. I'd like to discuss this week the famous machokas between Rashi and Ramban regarding the chronology of Parshat Truma. Parshat Truma, of course, introduces and presents the HaKash Baruch commandments regarding the construction of the Mishkan and all its kalim. This discussion continues through Parshas Tetzava, which focuses more on the Kohanim, the Big Day Kahuna, and the process for consecrating the Kohanim, and through the first few sections of Parshas Kisisa. And it is then followed by the story of the Egel Hazav, of the Golden Calf. Just before Parshas Truma, the final verses of Parshas Mishpatim discuss, they tell of Moshe's going up to Hasinai immediately after Mamar Hasinai, immediately after God's revelation and the Ten Commandments, and so on, HaKadosh Baruch Hu calls Moshe to the mountain, and he tells him, Alayhe Eli HaHara, come up to me to the mountain, Ve'hayesham, ve'etanadachas, luchos ha'even, ve'hatorah ve'hamitzvah, shekasafti l'harosam. And then I'll give you the luchos, and I'll give you the Torah and the mitzvah. So if we assume that the events here in the Torah are written in chronological sequence, then Moshe goes up to the mountain immediately after Mamar HaSinai, and he receives the commandments concerning the Mishkan and all the Kalim. Then he comes down from the mountain, in Parshas Kisisa, the end of Perak Lamed, I'm sorry, the end of Perak Lamed Aleph, Vayitena Moshekech HaDasoda Dabari Topar HaSinai Shinuluchos Hoidus, he gives to Moshe the two Luchos, and then you have the story of Chetaigo. So according to the chronology in the Torah, it seems like Moshe was on the mountain, he was commanded regarding the Mishkan, and then he comes down, and you have the story of Cheto Ego. Rashi, however, in his parish to Parshas Kisisa, uh, the last pasuk in, per- in Perak Laman Aleph, he says, Ein batorah, The events in the Torah are not written in chronological sequence. The incident of Cheto Ego occurred well before the commandments to construct the Mishkan. Rashi then explains, Moshe came down after 40 days in Harsinai and Shiva Shabbatamas, that's 40 days after Vav Sivan, and then he broke the Luchos upon seeing the Ego, and then he, he went back to the mountain for two sets of 40 days, and he came down on Yom Kippur, and the next day they, beginning, they began building the Mishkan. So according to Rashi, the events are not written in chronological sequence. First he had Cheto Egal, and only then did God instruct Moshe to build the Mishkan and all its Kalim. And in fact, Rashi, in a number of places in his Parashat Torah, he indicates that at least certain aspects, if not all, of the construction of the Mishkan was, uh, it served the purpose of Kapara, of giving B'nai Yisrael atonement for this, uh, for this chait. That's probably mo- most explicit in the beginning of Parashat Pekudeh, when the Torah refers to the Mishkan as Mishkan Ha'edus. And Rashi there comments, He's quoting there from the Midrash Tanchuma. So it's quite clear that in Rashi's view, the Mishkan served as a kapara for Cheto Ego. And he also mentions this regarding the uh, the donations of the gold, that bringing the gold to the Mishkan, that was a kapara for the gold that they gave to the Ego. And also in Parshas Tzav, Rashi writes that the various karbanos that the, uh, I think in, in Tzav also he mentions this, that some of the karbanos that Aaron and his sons were to bring as part of the process of their inauguration for the kahuna, that served as a kapara for Aaron's role in Chaito Ego. So according to Rashi, it seems as though the Mishkan was um, commanded 
only after and in response to the events of Chetwego. That is the view of Rashi. The Ramban clearly disagrees. The Ramban, in the beginning of Parshas Truma, writes explicitly that it was right after Mamad Hasinai, HaKadosh Baruch Hu called Moshe to the mountain and told him to build a Mishkan and how you should build a Mishkan for the purpose of perpetuating the experience of Mamad Hasinai. The Mishkan, which was the place of Gilu Shechina, that was the residence, so to speak, of the Shechina, of the, of the Divine Presence, that served as a uh, mini Mamar HaSinai, as a Bezeer Anpin replica of the experience of Mamar HaSinai, where HaKadosh Baruch Hu revealed himself to Bnei Yisrael. So, to kind of perpetuate that experience, he had them build a Mishkan, and that way he would accompany them at all times. According to the Ramban, very clearly, the Mishkan was commanded immediately after Mamar HaSinai, and it was not only after and in response to the events of Cheta Egel. Um, I just want to briefly point out regarding the Ramban's view, and as I recall, Nechama Libowitz, she makes this point in her books as well. There are, there, there are two reasons why the Ramban cannot possibly subscribe to Rashi's view regarding these events, the, uh, the chronology of these events. Um, for one thing, the Ramban holds, and he mentions this several times in his parish, he's pretty consistent in his view that we never um, reverse the chronology from the Torah's presentation unless it's absolutely necessary. The Ramban believes that, generally speaking, the events recorded in the Torah are recorded in chronological, in chronological sequence and the sequence in which the events actually occurred. Only on very rare occasions where you really have no choice, where it's clear that the events happened did not happen at the same time, um, only in those very rare instances does Rabban concede that, uh, yes, it's in, in out of sequence. But unless some explicit reference is made, unless it's clear from the dating of these events, uh, unless it's clear that the events are in out of order, according to Rabban, we must always assume that the events are uh, that the events recorded in the Torah are recorded in the proper chronological order. Number two, the Ramban cannot possibly hold that the Mishkan was only um, that the idea, the concept of building a Mishkan arose only out of necessity, only due to the events of Chetah Ego. The Rambanan has a very famous introduction to Sefer Shmos where he discusses the, the notion that Sefer Shmos is the Sefer Hagu'ula. It is the book of redemption. Now as we know, Sefer Shmos includes not only uh, the redemption from Egypt, Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, but it, uh, the bulk of the second half of Sefer Shmos deals with the Mishkan. So the Ramban says yes, because building the Mishkan was part of the Geula. In order for Bnei Israel to be fully redeemed, they had to return, the Ramban explains, to the status and stature and the position of the Avos, of Avram Yitzchak and Yaakov. In order to do that, it wasn't just that they, had, that they had to leave the Egyptian bondage. It wasn't just that they had to leave slavery, and it wasn't even enough that they had to stand on Harsinai and receive the Torah. They had to become, what the Ramban claims, a Merkava the Shechina, a chariot for the Shechina, which means that they had to construct a Mishkan in which the Shechina would reside, and in that way they would carry the Shechina with them wherever they went. So according to Ramban, the Mishkan was the ideal. That was the that was that was the plan from the outset. That's the way it was it was always supposed to be. That was the Geula, the construction of the Mishkan, and that's why Sefer Shmos ends the final Psukim of Parshas Pekude. They tell that Hakadosh Baruch Hu resided among Bnei Israel in the Mishkan. That the Shechina took residence, so to speak, in the Mishkan. Those are the last psukim in Parshas Pekudei in Sefer Shmos. And then Sefer Shmos could end. Once, once HaKadosh Baruch Hu brought his Shekhinah into the Mishkan, now Sefer Shmos, the Sefer Geula, can now come to an end. That's the Ramban's view. And therefore, the Ramban could not possibly um, say that the Mishkan ideally should never have happened. 
Rabbanu can never say that because in his view, the Mishkan was the ideal. That was the apex. That was the culmination of the process of Geula, and that's the way it was supposed to be already from the outset. So that's in terms of the Ramban's position. Uh, what I want to discuss now is Rashi's view. What are the implications of Rashi's, of Rashi's Shita with regard to the status of the Mishkan and the Beis Hamikdash generally? It is very often assumed that according to Rashi, there, were, there was never supposed to have been a need for a Beis Hamikdash. There was never going to be a need for, for a Beis Hamikdash. It was only due to Chet HaEgel, which demonstrated B'nai Yisrael's inability to relate to a, uh, to a deity, to a god, without some, cor- some form of physical representation, without some kind of uh, tangible object that they can see uh, representing his presence, it was in response to Chet HaEgel that the Mishkan and the whole concept of having a Beis HaMikdash and a place to bring Karbanos and to serve God became necessary. That was only due to the Beis HaMikdash. And without, and had it not, I'm sorry, it was only due to Chet HaEgel. And had it not been for this incident of Chet HaEgel, there would never have been a Beis HaMikdash. That's the common, uh, I think, that's the common understanding of Rashi. Uh, Menachem Liptag in his internet shiurim at Tanakh.org, um, he, he claims that this is incorrect. And he points out, uh, correctly so, that there, were already, there are already two references to the Beis HaMikdash well before Chet HaEgel. The first one is in Parshas B'Shalach, in the Shiraz Hayam, in Az Yashir, in Israel after crossing the sea. They sing the, uh, the famous song of Praise HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and towards the end of that song, they declare, They make explicit reference to the Beis HaMikdash. They, they foresee, they prophetically... Uh, Look ahead to the time when God would take them to Har Nachal which is a reference either to Israel generally or specifically to the to Harabayas, and and when Hakadosh Baruch was going to build for them a Beis Hamikdash, Mikdash Adonai Kanuni Yadecha, that there's going to be a Beis Hamikdash. So already back then, immediately after the crossing of the sea, Bnei Israel were looking forward to a Beis Hamikdash. So it, it's it's it hardly seems plausible that the idea of a Beis Hamikdash arose only in the wake of Chet Secondly, in Parshas Mishpatim, one of the uh, one of the last of the mitzvahs that are mentioned in Parshas Mishpatim, that it's in the last pasuk of the uh, halacha section, if we can call it that, of Parshas Mishpatim, Reishis Pikurei Maschat Tavi Beis Hashem Alokecha. That's Shmuel's Perek of Gimel Pasuk Yitzes. There is a mitzvah. Hakadosh Baruch already at this point gives Moshe the mitzvah to bring the Bikurim to Beis Hashem Alokecha, to the house of Hashem. Okay, to bring the first fruits to, presumably, the Beis HaMikdash. So already at this point, we see that there is a concept of a Beis HaMikdash. It was in the plan that there would be a Beis HaMikdash, even before Chet HaEgel. So what then did Rashi mean? So why did he say that the Mishkan was commanded to Moshe only in the wake of Chet HaEgel? So Menachem Liptek explains that what Rashi meant was not that there would not have been a Beis HaMikdash, but that there would not have been a Mishkan. You have to recall that Bnei Israel were supposed to have entered Eretz Israel very soon after Mamar Hasinai. The 40 years that they spent in the Midbar, that was not supposed to happen. It wasn't supposed to be a 40-year um, sojourn. The 40 years happened only as a result of the Chet Amaraglim. That was the punishment for the sin of the spies. But the ideal, the, the original plan, was for Bnei Israel to enter Eretz Israel very soon after Mamar Hasinai. And therefore... It stands to reason that there was no point in building a temporary mishkan, mikdash, the mishkan, 
that's basically what the Mishkan was. It was a temporary mobile base Hamikdash. There was no purpose in constructing a Mishkan, since in any event, Bnei Israel would soon be entering Eretz Yisrael, in which, in which, at which point they'd be able to build a permanent base Hamikdash. Uh, I, I would just add, I, I, I saw recently the Shadal in his uh, Parish al even though he agrees with the Ramban that the Parshios are written in chronological sequence, he anticipates this point that we're making now, that the Mishkan, if not for Chet Egel, would seem unnecessary since Bnei Israel, in any event, were supposed to have gone immediately into Eretz Yisrael where they could build the Beis Hamikdash. He writes, I'm quoting now from the Shadal, Even though it was not yet decreed that they would have to spend a prolonged period of time in the Midbar, in the desert, HaKadosh Baruch did not want them to have to wait before constructing the Mikdash until they go through the process of conquering the land and then distributing the territory and select a capital city for the kingdom. Now, he didn't want to wait until, all the, until that process was completed. He commanded them to construct a mobile Mishkan so that even once they come into Eretz Yisrael, they would be able to have a uh, this Mishkan available for them, the Hasha, as needed until they were able to finish the process of building the base Hamikdash. So the Shadal's point was true; they were supposed to go into Eretz Yisrael right away. But still, even once they got into Eretz Yisrael, it would be a, it would be a few years at least. Uh, we know in the end it took fourteen years. Um, j- just the process of Kibbutz Vechilah, let alone reaching the point where they could build the base Hamikdash, but. Even even without that, since it would be a, um, a somewhat of an extended process, even once they got into Eretz Yisrael, before they could build a permanent base on Mikdash, Hakadosh Baruch wanted them to have a mobile Mishkan. The point that I'm bringing out is that he anticipated the uh, he anticipated this question, and so it's so it's plausible that according and this is what Menachem Lipter claimed in explaining Rashi's view, that according to Rashi. Um, According to Rashi, there would have been certainly a base Hamikdash, as implied by the Psukim we mentioned earlier in Bishalach and Mishpatim, but there would not have been a Mishkan. The Mishkan would have been unnecessary because they would have gone immediately into Eretz Yisrael. It was only as a result of Cheto Egel, which showed that Bnei Israel needed, even even at this point, they needed to have some kind of physical representation. There, for that reason, Hakadosh Baruch Hu commanded them to build to build a Mishkan. Um, it's interesting to note that if if this is true. If this is the Machogas Rashi and Ramban, then this could be perhaps related to a different Machogas between the Rambam and the Smag. The Rambam, in the beginning of Hilchos Beis HaBechira, he writes that there's a mitzvah say from the Torah to build a Beis HaMikdash, and the Pasuk he brings as the biblical source of that mitzvah is from Parshas Truma. V'asuli Mikdash V'shachanti B'socham. On the Kesaf Mishnah there, Hilchos Beis HaBechira points out that the Smag brings a different Pasuk. He brings a passage from Parshas Re'eh, if I'm not mistaken, the Shechno Sidrashu of Asashama. And, and the, the Achronim, uh, they point out that presumably the Smag did not want to bring this passage of Asudim Migdash Veshachantib Esacham, because that related only to, only to the temporary Mishkan. That was not a Tzivoy that pertained to the Beis HaMikdash. It was rather only a Tzivoy that, that pertained specifically to the Mishkan. The Rambam held not that way. The Rambam held that that could be seen as a gen, as a general obligation, not that applied not only to the Mikdash, to the Mishkan, excuse me, but also to the permanent base of Mikdash. 
it is possible that the what the Rambam, what the, what the Rambam and Smag are arguing about, is the point of the relationship between the Mishkan and the Mikdash. The Rambam held that the tzivui to build a Mishkan is basically a tzivui to build a base Hamikdash. It just so happened that at this point, it it was done. The it was at the point where Bnei Yisrael were in the Midbar, that mitzvah was fulfilled through the temporary Mishkan. But that essentially was the tzivui to build a base Hamikdash. Whereas according to the Smag, the Mishkan was a completely different thing. It was uh, the Mishkan is not a base Hamikdash. The Mishkan was a temporary measure that Bnei Yisrael needed while they were in the Midbar, and until they got the base Hamikdash going in Eretz Yisrael. But that was not the base Hamikdash. And if so, it could be that's Machokas between the Rambam and the Smag, in which case, that would be the same Machokas as Rashi and the Ramban. According to the Ramban, the ideal of the base Hamikdash already started with the Mishkan. The Mishkan wasn't just a temporary measure born out of necessity due to Chet Egel. That was it. That's what was supposed to happen. B'nai Yisrael were immediately supposed to have a Mikdash um, in the form of a Mishkan that would eventually become the base Hamikdash. That would be like the Rambam's view, that that the Mishkan is already the beginning of the Beis Hamikdash, so to speak. Whereas the Smag, who said that the Tzivoy of the Mishkan cannot be seen as the Tzivoy for the permanent Beis Hamikdash, he might hold like Rashi that the Mishkan was only a temporary measure born out of necessity, and that was not the ideal. That Beis Hamikdash was not supposed to have a Mishkan; they were supposed to go into Israel and build a Beis Hamikdash. No Mishkan was supposed to be necessary; it was only a temporary measure. That they uh, that require the Mishkan. Anyway, so it's possible that this machlokas between Rashi and Ramban, if we if we interpret uh, Rashi this way, the way the way Menachem Liptag argued that we should understand Rashi, if so, then it could be that's uh, similar to the machlokas between the Rambam and the Smag as to the Makor, the biblical source of the commandment to build a base Hamikdash. In any event, there is one of the Mefarshim who maintains very clearly, um, not like what we just said. That there was that in truth there was not supposed to be a base hamikdash at all, and that is the Sforno. The Sforno makes this point several times in his Parish al Torah. Um, I read to you first from his Parish in Parshas Kisisa in the last pasuk of Perak Lamed Aleph. When he's introducing the story of Cheta Egel, he says, he says Pirish Hatam that the Torah is now going to explain the reason Mipnei Ma Lohu Sag Hatachlit. Why B'nai Israel did not achieve the ideal of what HaKadosh Baruch Hu had uh, destined for them at the time of Matan Torah when he said that all of B'nai Israel were supposed to be Kohanim and a holy nation. At the end of Parshas Yisrael that Hashem would come and bless the people and reside among them in every place. To the point where it was necessary to build a Mishkan. In other words, the ideal, the Sforno says, was that all B'nai Israel would be Kohanim. They could all serve God whenever they wanted. We didn't need, we would not have needed one separate class of Kohanim. And also, would have had a Shkin reside among them in every place, not just in a Mishkan. And he says, This occurred because of B'nai Israel's bad choice. Because um, he says here, at the end of the first forty days, Hakadosh gave Moshe the luchos, the kadesh as kulam the kohanim v'koy kadosh kechol devar hatov. He wanted them all to be the kohanim. Vehima maru v'hishkisu darkam v'naflumi ma'alasam. But they committed the sin of cheta egel, and that necessitated the process of building the mishkan. He writes this as well at the end of Parshas Yisro. 
you can you you built for me in a a a mizbeach an altar out of earth, and then he says later wherever I will mention my name I will come and bless you. This one explains. He says you will not need to build fancy gold and silver palaces and temples. In order to earn to achieve closeness with Hakadosh Baruch Hu, I speak mizbach adama, a simple um, earthen altar wherever you put it, that would be su- that would be sufficient to serve Hakadosh Baruch Hu. And he says bechol makom asher askir shmir bechol makom sheevcha the base vaad leovdi, any place that I would choose as a special meeting place to serve me. Keinyan has kiru kinyaskav shemo. And he says, okay. We wouldn't need the means, we wouldn't require the media of gold and silver and other such uh, fancy appurtenances and furnishings like they had in the base Hamikdash. Rather, any place Hakadosh Baruch Hu will say, "Look, r- right over here, this will be a place where you can where you can serve me. That would be a place to serve to serve to serve Hakadosh Baruch Hu." Uh, the Swano returns to this in his parish and parshas bechukosai on the pasuk v'hisalachti b'sachachem. And actually, even the pasuk before that, in pasuk bechukosai perch tzvayikra perch avav pasuk yud aleph v'nasatim eshkani b'sachachem. Hakadosh Baruch Hu promises that if you keep the mitzvahs, v'nasatim eshkani b'sachachem, I will have my mishkan dwell among you. And the Sforno explains what does that mean. He says tishra shkinasi b'sachachem bechol makom shetihiu that my shkina will reside among you wherever you are. The way it was destined to be before Chaita Egel. And once again, he quotes this Pasuk from, uh, from Parshas Yisro. And then in the next Pasuk, it says, And this one explains the, the verb of means, It means to wander about. That you're not going just to one place. The verb of as opposed to just halach, means that you wander about. And it means here that Hashem would be with Bnei Yisrael wherever they were. The divine glory would not descend upon just a single site, but rather it would be everywhere. Okay, wherever you would be. And the Sforno, he develops this idea more thoroughly. In a uh, in an essay, a treatise that he wrote called the Mamar Kavanos Hatara, uh, it appears in um, it appears in the Cross Kedalos after one of, after one of the Sfarim, uh, after one of the Chumashim. I forgot which one. It appears there, and uh, Rav Yehuda Kuperman from the uh, Mechalda in Yerushalayim, he published it with uh, extensive footnotes in a separate volume. It's called Mamar Mamar Kavanos Hatara, the Rav Avadius Forno, and. The uh, what, what what he does in this uh, in this little treatise is going through different stages where kaviyachol things did not turn out the way Hakadosh Baruch Hu had initially planned, and therefore either mankind or Bnei Yisrael had to go down a madrega. And one of the examples is right here. After Chayta Ego, Bnei Yisrael had to go down one level, and that was the Mishkan. The Mishkan represented a descent that they went down a level. He, and he writes, I'm reading now from Perak Vav. 
ובכן ראוי להסבונן, כי אמנם קודם חטא האי על תקף פח רמת הנטורה, לא היו יסוד שכחים לכל אלה, למען השרוס שכחים עשו בסוחם. ובפור חטא האי על אף רמת הנטורה, בני ישראל ונאט אף נידד אני מידיה, such as the head of the base of Midrash, in order to earn the Shekhinah's residence among them. They were not commanded regarding the Mishkan and the Kalim and the Kohanim. There would not have been any obligatory Karbanos, neither upon all of B'nai Yisrael nor upon any individuals. There would be no obligatory Karbanos. Only after Chet Ego, that's when it happened. And he quotes in this context a pasuk. Interesting, the Rambam also quotes this when he in Mor Nevuchim, where he presents his famous theory about Karbanos. The Navi Yirmiyahu says in Parak Zayin, "Kilo dibarti el esavosechem v'lotzivisim biyom hatiyos amiratz mitzrayim adivrei olav azavach." That he implies that Hashem never really wanted, um, never really wanted Karbanos. And he says that the way it would have been is that they would not have needed any uh, volunt- any obligatory Karban nor nor a Mishkan. And rather, Shem Yisnadvu Olos Ushlamim, if they would volunteer to bring Olos Ushlamim, then Yaspik Mizbach Adama B'chom HaKam Asher Eskirat Shemi. Okay? What does it mean B'chom HaKam Asher Eskirat Shemi? The Svarno explains, V'hu kol makom shikarei b'emez beis adokim. Ki'inyan batei midrashos v'zud asam. Any place that would be designated as a, as a religious place, such as a base medrash or a shul, that would be enough for Asher Eskirat Okay? So the Svarno is very, very clear. Um, in his view, that we would not have needed a Mishkan, nor even a Beis HaMikdash. Okay, the Svarno says so explicitly. So, obviously there's, there's room to ask, what do we do with those Pesukim that we mentioned before? The, the Pesukim B'Shalach, Mikdash Hashem Kanuri Yodecha. And I checked the Svarno there on that Pesuk, he says explicitly that's referring to Harabayis and the Beis HaMikdash. I suppose what he would say is that this is B'nai Israel's prophecy, but that doesn't mean it was the ideal. Meaning, B'nai Israel were looking... Um, through Ruach HaKodesh, they looked ahead into the future and they saw that he would, that HaKosh Baruch was going to bring them to a Beis HaMikdash, that does not necessarily mean that that was supposed to be the ideal. I'm just speculating, that could be what this one I would explain. And as for the Mitzvah of Bikurim, Tavi Beis HaShem Adokacha, uh, I, I imagine we would explain that Pasuk according to Sfarno, based on what he says here in Mamar Kavana Satara, that B'chom HaKom HaShem Azkirat Shemir, it Shemir refers to Kom HaKom Shikari Be'emes Beis HaLokim Kinyan Beti Mijash HaZvazulasam. Meaning, it's not that there would not be any building at all that would be designated for religious worship. There would be uh, buildings, but it wouldn't have to be, uh, <coughs> excuse me, it would not have to be limited, restricted to one specific site. It could be anywhere. Anywhere that, uh, that, anywhere they wanted, they could designate a place that would be a Beis HaLokim. So it could be, according to the Svarno, that's what HaKadosh Baruch had in mind in Parshas Mishpatim, where he says, Tavi, uh, about the Bikurim, Tavi Beis Hashem Lokecha, bring it to the house of Hashem your God. It means, bring it to this house that would be designated as a Beis HaLokim. Again, I'm just uh, suggesting as a possible explanation how the Sforno would explain those Pesukim, but according to the Sforno, clearly, there were, in there would not have been a Beis HaMikdash at all had it not been for, um, had it not been for Chet HaEgel, um, one could claim that this is Rashi's view Rashi doesn't really clarify uh, but in any event uh, this is certainly the view of this Sforno I just want to conclude um, just by um, just by telling you a, a theory that I saw in the Sefer called Maskele David the Maskele David is a parish on Rashi's commentary to the Torah by uh, somebody named David Pardo a very famous uh, Sephardi Godel um, of several generations ago 
he has a sefer on the sifrei as well, and a number of other, a number of other sefer. He was a well-known uh, Talmud Chacham, and he has a parish on on Rashi's, on, on Rashi's commentary to the Torah. And here in, in Parshas Kisisa, where Rashi makes the comment that the Parshas are out of chronological sequence, um, he has quite an astounding theory. He says that even according to Rashi, Rashi would agree that the, the general idea, the general notion of a Mishkan was certainly given to Moshe when he was at Harsinai, even before Cheta Egel. He said there was no question that there was no question that this was given to Moshe, that the general idea of the Mishkan was given to Moshe already then. And what Rashi meant was that the details, the details of Chuma and Tetzaveh, those were conveyed to Moshe only after Cheta Egel. But the general concept of having a Mishkan, that was given to Moshe already before Cheta Egel. Now his proof is, there are a number of references in Parshas Truma where he tells, he, he says to Moshe, like for example, in Perchav Hei, Pasuk Mem, Ure'eb ba'asebetz b'savni samasharatam mor'eb bahar. He tells Moshe, make the menorah according to the image that you're being shown on the mountain. Right. Similarly, later in Parshas Truma, you should erect to the Mishkan according to the way that, that you've been shown on the mountain. Now the Mosque of David, he claims that according to Rashi, when Rashi says that the, that the commandments of the Mishkan were given to Moshe only after Chaita Egel, he assumes that means after Yom Kippur. After the three sets of 40 days that Moshe spent on the mountain, only then, according to Rashi, only then did HaKadosh Baruch Hu command Moshe with regard to the Mishkan. Now, but yet, when he's giving these commands of Chumat Tetzaveh, he's making reference to what Moshe saw on the mountain. He refers to Bahar. He's making reference to what Moshe saw on the mountain, the image of the Mishkan. So on that basis, the Mosque of the David claims, it must have been that already before Chaita Egel, Moshe was shown the Mishkan in general terms. He was shown what the Mishkan was. He was told that there's going to be a Mishkan. and the, the, But the details were conveyed to him only after only after Chet HaEgel. Uh, now, I personally, I find this very, very difficult. First of all, Rashi never said that the, that Shumant and Saved did not happen until until after Yom Kippur, until after Moshe came down the mountain for the for the final time. Uh, I always assumed, and I think this is what's generally assumed, is that according to Rashi, the commandment to build the Mishkan was given to Moshe during one of the other sets of 40 days. Right, The first 40 days was from uh, Vav Sivan through Shavas Rebetamuz, then then was Chet Egel, and then Moshe went up for another 40 days, from Shavas Rebetamuz to Rosh Chodesh Elul, then Rosh Chodesh Elul until Yom Kippur. So at some point during those second sets of 40 days, that's when that's when Moshe was being told of the commandments of the Mishkan, and therefore, HaKadosh Baruch Hu tells him, um, Make the Mishkan like what you were show, like you're being shown on the mountain is referring to then at that point during those second sets of forty days when Moshe was on top of Har Sinai, um, and what I also I, what I so, that, so therefore his proof of the Moscow David I don't really I don't really understand and furthermore what I don't understand is that as we saw Rashi said that the Mishkan is a, is a, a, a testament it it serves to uh, to be, to uh, to atone for Bnei Israel for the sin of Cheta Egel and if so so it doesn't answer the question of why why there would not have been a Mishkan. Because according to the Moscow David, there would have been a Mishkan. There was going to be a Mishkan. But the details, for whatever reason, HaKadosh Baruch Hu told Moshe only afterwards. So I don't really understand what is the point there. What is the point behind it? Why is it necessary? Um, why did HaKadosh Baruch Hu do it this way? Why did he present to Moshe the generalities of the Mishkan 
first and only then give him the details thereafter. According to what we've seen, the two approaches that we saw already make sense. According to the first theory we saw, there was not, there was not going to be a Mishkan, there was going to be only a Beis Hamikdash. According to the second theory, that of the Sforno, there was not even going to be a Beis Hamikdash. What I don't understand is, that according to the Mask of the Dove's understanding of Rashi, I'm not quite clear why it was necessary for HaKadosh Baruch to, to tell Moshe only the generalities of the Mishkan and then get into the details later. So leave that as an open question. So just to briefly summarize what we've seen, we saw that according to the Ramban, the Prashas are written uh, according to their chronological sequence, that the Mishkan was the ideal. That's the way it was supposed to be. That was the final stage of the Geula. And according to Rashi, the commandment to build a Mishkan was given only after Chaita Egel, either because there was no purpose in building a Mishkan, there was no need to build a Mishkan, if not for Chaita Egel, because B'nai Israel was soon to go into Eretz Israel, or because the Sforno's theory that there would not have even been a Beis HaMikdash, if not for Chaita Egel. And finally, I, I just threw out for your consideration this theory of the Maskele Davi, which I'm not so clear about, who claimed that, according to Rashi, the general concept of the Mishkan was introduced already before Chaita Egel, but the details were conveyed to Moshe only later. Thank you very much. Shabbat Shalom.